Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, the podcast where we discuss the Brinkman Adventures audio drama, where we talk to the writers, the uh, some of the actors sometimes, and uh, most importantly, we talk to some of the missionaries behind the stories, and we hear more about them and uh, a lot of interesting things. I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman, Aunt Sarah. Aunt Sarah is with us as always here. Oh, you said Aunt Sarah this time. I did. Wow. I know I'm mixing it up. You're converting to my Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Aunt Sarah. It sounds fancy. Aunt Sarah. But... Aunt Sarah is here with yes, us today. Uh, we're in episode 14. Uh, so we're st- we're still new, but we're getting better. <laughs> That's right. All right, we're getting better. Learning. So it's great. we're episode 14. How are things going for you this week? Good. I'm feeling great. It I'm is. Excited. It's kind of cold here. Yeah, it's cold. It's fr- I think today it was seven degrees. Felt like minus sixteen when I let the dog out. I was like, okay, I'm going back inside. That's why I don't have dogs because <laughs> you, you just look at them and you know you see people outside and and you know and the cat then looks at you and goes, you know, hey, you're welcome. That's what he says. So, <laughs> anyways, let's let's cat. get on with the show. So, uh, this episode, if for those of you that are playing the bingo game or trying to check off all the different episodes, <laughs> you know, maybe that should be a kind of a cool game Ooh. that we we do. You, for every episode, you tick it off. Uh, we're actually going back uh, quite a ways mm-hmm. to episode four. Yep, and season one. Season one, episode four. The episode is entitled "Carjacked," and uh, we've got a clip. Yep. So, go ahead and roll it. Someone's getting out of that car ahead of us. Seems that he wants something. Javi, can you open a window, please? Can I help you? Do you have change for three rand? Does anyone have change for three rand? Let me check. Everyone out of the van. Okay, taxi driver. Hand me your phone. Crawl in the back. You two, get back in the van. Lay down, back in the van. Lay down in the back seat. Lay down in the back seat. Do what we say or we'll kill you. We can be all here. Fine. Big guy. You lay down on the way back. I up your cell phones. The carjackers took the guy's phones, money, cards, and even their PIN numbers for their bank cards. Just then, the carjackers received a cell phone call from the other group. We need to hide men now. Pull off the road and hide in the bush. Right away. I'm pulling over now. Call me when you learn more. Excuse me, guys. We belong to Jesus and he loves you. You may not speak or we'll shoot you. If I die, I'll be with Jesus. My life here means nothing. I'm more concerned about you. My brother, will you please shut up? Raymond, I feel like we're supposed to tell these guys about Jesus. I know, but I promise your dad I'll look after you. You guys, be quiet! I need some fresh air. I'm going to stretch my legs. <laughs> I, I just... First of all, I love action. Whenever yeah. we play like a really action-y sequence... I, I like it, but I will point out one thing that's really cool, which was, would you, would you please shut up, or would you shut up, please? It was very, very, very polite. So, <laughs> yes, um, that's so yeah, an interesting episode. Yeah, the actual missionary who this happened to, um, I I know both of them. I know Raymond and Javi, and um, I reached out to Javi actually um, and asked if he would come and join us. So he is with us. Thank you so much, Javi, for joining us. Hey guys, it's great to be with you. Yeah, we're so glad. Um, Today for us is Thursday. What day is it for you? Yeah, it's already Friday. It's a Friday morning, 10, 20 a.m. Yeah, so, you know, we're we're kind of on the other side of the world, but it's amazing that we can just talk and 
So can you tell us? Can you tell us the future? Since you're already, you're you're already into tomorrow. <laughs> it's gonna be uh, a good day. You know, yeah. Is it gonna be a good day? Right. That's the question. Well, so far so good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard you guys said it's very cold where you are. It's very very hot yet. Are, are you in your summer right now? Yeah, it's sort of rain season, but the humidity never really lets down over here. So even if it's like cloudy and rainy outside, there's a lot of humidity. So I still have the air conditioning on. Okay. Full blast. Wow. Okay. Well, you're hot and we're cold. So that's <laughs> just how it goes. <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted to um, just ask you how, you know, this story, uh, when I first heard it, I was, it was about nine years ago now when you first told it to me. And we were in South Africa. And I just remember thinking, I don't know what I would do if I was carjacked in the back of a van or a truck and there's somebody, you know, has a gun on me. I, don't know if I'd actually witness to them. I'd probably just be quiet and be crying or something. <laughs> so when I heard it, um, and I heard my brother was doing an audio drama about missionaries, I, I thought, Ian, you have to do this story. It is amazing. So um, I'd love to just talk with you a little bit about it and ask you what that was like. So so can you tell me what happened? You were you were going somewhere, and um, can you tell me how it kind of went down a little bit? Yeah, so we're, we're on our way to go buy Lebola cows for Raymond because he's on the verge of getting married and he needs to pay his future father-in-law with cows. And so we're in this South African taxi, which is like a minivan, uh, which is also uh, was belonged to a friend of Raymond's. And then on the road there, it's like these little dirt, dirt roads that we're traveling through. I mean, these guys jump out of the car, as you could hear in the clip. Um, and it's a huge gang of hijackers. I mean, there were, I don't know how many, more than 10, but wow. two of the guys, yeah, and they were hijacking lots of vans in the vicinity. But the two of the guys jumped out and hijacked our van. Um, so that's how, it, that's how it happened. So what was going through your mind when they jumped into your car? What were you thinking? Well, honestly, it's just like, if you've ever been in a situation like that, you just absolutely freeze. You know, you just, I, I don't know. That, that was my response. I just froze. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. I just... What the guy said, but at the moment that they asked us to get out of the front seats, I thought, okay, in South Africa, one of two things happen: either they they'll kill us or they'll leave us and take the car. Hmm. But in fact, they asked us to get in. Hmm. So I remember through my mind went the following thoughts: Oh no, <laughs> I can't believe they're they're taking us hostage. You know, they're taking us into the the. The car. I've never heard of that happening. Hmm. Um, that was a unique thing. You know, I, I didn't know what to make of that, but I thought, okay, we're not out of danger. We're with these guys. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they did that? I mean. Yeah. So after the fact, we, we understood more of the story. They were hijacking lots of vans in this vicinity and they didn't want anybody to be able to leave and say and call the police on them because oh, the taxi yeah. owners were blocking all the roads. They got their guns and they were blocking all the roads in the vicinity in order to capture these hijacking, this hijacker gang who, that's hijacking like tons of vans. So they're blocking off the exits. And so they didn't want any witnesses or anybody going out and saying what's happening or where they are. Um, so they kept, kept us with them so that we couldn't call the police on them. Wow, that is 
terrifying. Now, I I understand, if I can just ask a question, it's something I always wondered to try to confirm, because years and years ago, I was actually in, I was in Holland, and I met a, a man from South Africa, and we got to talking, and he said that uh, carjacking was amazingly prevalent in South Africa, like more than more than a lot of other places. Now, is yeah. is that accurate or? Yeah, it's very accurate. I mean, you if you've known if you've heard of the city Johannesburg, yeah. that's where most of the carjackings happen, but also Durban, Cape Town, Pretoria. So it normally happens in the big cities. What made this unique is this was very very far from the main cities. This was in the rural areas. So actually, you wouldn't expect to get hijacked huh. in an area like this. But what it was, it was a gang from the cities moving through the rural areas. It was like a once-off and okay. seeing how many bands that they can collect and head back for the city. And it's actually not so common to have that exact thing happen. Not in a um, country like that, huh? Definitely in the main cities. Lots and lots of hijackings happening, even till today. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to confirm this is this is kind of a weird point, I guess. Was the this man that I was talking to, and and we ended up actually having a lot of friends from South Africa, and he said that it was so that carjacking was so prevalent that there was a company or companies that were modifying cars specifically to ward off carjackers uh, to the point where they said that like. Flames. They could actually get flames to kind of shoot out. <laughs> Is that true? Shoot out the bottom. So I'm kind of wondering if, if you ever ran across <laughs> that. I haven't heard of that yet. It huh? wouldn't totally surprise me, but I haven't heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a tangential car. thing. But did you make that up, Eric? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, I, but that's kind of a we had a idea. lot of people from South Africa at a church there. <laughs> How and, funny. Anyways, <laughs> go on. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, um, one thing that I wanted to. T- have you maybe comment on a little bit was in the episode Raymond is talking to the carjacker and he says Javi and me you know we're working together as missionaries and we're brothers because of Jesus and I think for people who have never been to South Africa they maybe won't recognize exactly how significant that is um, I know we have racial issues here in the U.S. but can you come comment a little bit about what that is like in South Africa and how unique that might be Yeah, I mean, up till today, so apartheid fell in 94 in South Africa. And then until today, there's still a lot of division. You know, I have so many contacts um, in South Africa, so many friends and family members who probably don't know one black person and Mm. are able to like say, this is my friend. And, you know, so there's still a lot of division, you know, in South Africa. it's changing as well in the in the big cities and but um, yeah so I think it was really a testimony you know like in that area many many times I would drive there they've got these large long roads you know where you have to travel very very slow and sometimes mm-hmm. I just kind of push the speed limit just a little bit <laughs> and so <laughs> so I would get I was like probably in the years that I've worked there, I was pulled off maybe four or five times by uh, cops there, you know, black cops working in those deep rural black areas. Mm-hmm. And when I say, oh, I'm here to serve, you know, as a pastor and like a missionary, they would always let me off. They would always say, this is so cool that you're working among our people. Please don't go over the speed limit. But 
we love that you're working here and we're not going to give you a ticket, you know? <laughs> That's better than flames. That's better, That's than, better than flame shooting on. That's right. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I think it was a testimony, you know, to these guys that, that we were black and white working together, serving together, you know, loving Jesus together and loving people together in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did yeah. think when I lived there too, I... I was kind of astounded by the divide, even though the apartheid was done. Like you said, it was so stark. And um, I know growing up in that you're surrounded by, you know, other white South Africans who have a very different perspective. I'm just wondering about you personally. How did you come to a place where when you look at a black South African that you can see them the way you do? Because that's one thing I was really impressed with, with um, the mission group I was with and, and you even like just the way that you treated everyone with such um, respect and and equality, and even, I mean, I, I was blown away by what I saw. And I just love to hear your personal kind of journey with that. Yeah, I remember I, I met Jesus when I was 17 years old. And it wasn't long after that that I was part of the ministry team that sort of in front of the church would pray for people coming up. And a black guy in the church came up and I prayed for him. And we ended up hugging, you know, and and this guy wouldn't let go, which was kind of awkward. It would have been awkward no matter who it was, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just felt such love in my heart for this guy, for this brother in the Lord, you know. And then this was like 17. And then from that time, it was like something happened in my heart. And I would go to tons of African African countries mm-hmm. and feel this deep love for the people. So it's just something that I can credit Jesus with, you know. It's just something that he did in my heart. But even when I was doing my discipleship year, it's a program called Euro for Life in Pretoria, I would just gravitate towards the black guys in the program. You know, they would become my mm-hmm. best friends. I would look up to some of those guys so much. They had such amazing character. They loved mm-hmm. Jesus so much. And I would kind of veer away from a lot of the white guys who were just there to have fun and, and mm-hmm. get into all kinds of mischief, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and these some of these black brothers had such amazing character. They loved the Lord and they were serious about following Jesus. And they became my best friends, you know, so this is mm-hmm. something that happened in my heart at a young age when I met Jesus and it's never been different for me, you know, so I struggle like my wife's family um, do not yet really see things that way, you know, so mm-hmm. I really struggle sometimes when I go to visit with the family and it's like racial talk and it's because mm-hmm. it's just something that's so different for me mm-hmm. um, that I just like to credit Jesus with because it's not because I'm great or anything, you know, but it's mm-hmm. it's just something that God did in my heart. That's really so cool. Man, we just need more of that. <laughs> more of that everywhere. Oh, man. So th- the one thing, too, that I wanted to ask, we have your character, Javi, played by someone else. We have him say, you know, I'm afraid for these guys. I don't, ca-. you know, if they kill me, I'm going to see Jesus. But these guys don't know the Lord. So can you talk to us? How did that, how, how did you, <laughs> how are you that bold? I mean, <laughs> just talk to us about that. Yeah, well, Sarah, when when I first got into the the van, I was I am not a very bold, courageous person by nature. I'm actually a little bit the opposite. I get fearful um, in new situations, and yet I'm like in the you know in Indonesia, like so I'm taking on a lot. Mm. So I guess courage is what is that quote? You know, courage is not the absence of fear, but it's like facing your fears. It's like moving forward. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, honestly, I was like. I was literally shaking for a long time. So uh, I noticed in the clip, it was kind of quick, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah. 40 minutes, 
Yeah. I didn't say a thing and and my legs were just shaking. I couldn't get my body to stop shaking. Hmm. Um, and I was just so fearful. But in that 40 minutes, I, I went from just shaking and, and, and absorbing the situation to a place of talking to Jesus. And that's where the miracle happened. I mean, when I started talking to the Lord, it was like I could see Jesus smiling over me in my eye, in my heart, you know, in my mind's eye. And I could, and, and then I started kind of working through the scenarios. And I, I really think this is a God thing that happened because I, I went through the scenarios. Okay, either one or two things are going to happen. In South Africa, I, don't, I haven't really heard of people getting tortured in situations like that. So I kind of discarded that as a possible situation or a scenario. Right. And I went, okay, either they're letting us go or they're killing us. And then it became so real for me that either one of those would be fantastic. <laughs> mm. Because if we do get killed, it became so real to me that I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And I got such joy from that thought. I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven. You know, this is going to be amazing. I'm going <laughs> to see Jesus tonight or they're letting us go. And in that moment, all the fear just washed off of me. It was like God's spirit was this, just there and the fear just washed off of me. And I could see the situation so clearly. But then as I'm lying there kind of joyful in a weird way about this whole situation, the next thing that hit me was deep concern for these men. I thought the only person I should be concerned about, the only people I should be concerned about are these two hijackers sitting in front of the vehicle. They are not going to go and be with Jesus. They're going to go and go to hell, you know, and we even, we challenged them. We said, where, do you, where are you going when you're dying tonight? You know, and we talked to them about Jesus. And um, so, so yeah, that's where that just came from. You know, that boldness to just talk to them was just like, it was otherworldly, you know, it really was mm -hmm. like the Lord just putting that on my heart. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a natural thing. It, it really was God's spirit. It reminded me of the scripture where Jesus said, if you're in those situations, you know, if you're brought be, be, before kings, don't worry about what you're going to say. The spirit of God will tell you what to say. And that's literally what, what happened. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of um, the disciples or the apostles uh, being in prison and singing you know, uh, to rejoice in the midst of, of sorrow or or to be bold in the midst of a very fearful situation. Mm -hmm. In the episode, some of, one of them was interested in the Lord. How did that happen? Yeah, so there was an older hijacker and a younger hijacker. And the younger guy, at, at some point after we really witnessed to them and we shared about Jesus with them, this guy came over. They get got out of the vehicle. They parked it somewhere deep in the bush in the African savannah, you know, if you can imagine that. And then he got out and he came to my side of, uh, of the vehicle where I was lying down and I could see him through the window having a cigarette. And I really felt another like nudge from the Lord that I'm supposed to continue speaking with him. Hmm. So I called him over to the, to the window and I started speaking to him more about the Lord. And he got back into the car and he kept on speaking with us. And at that point, Raymond really took over and shared with the guy as well. But he, his response was amazing. He started opening up about his life. Hmm. And he, he said things like, you know, if God can provide a job for me, I will leave this job that I'm doing, <laughs> hmm. um, which was hijacking cars, you know. Um, 
And, and he said, and I said to him, yes, my brother, we really want to see you in heaven one day. We want to see you with us, with Jesus. And he said, oh, you know, if God can provide a job for me and I can get out of this situation I'm in, um, I got the feeling that he was like being compelled by the older hijacker guy mm. as well. You know, oh, yeah, that makes sense. he said, I, you will not only see me in heaven, you'll see me in church because they asked us lots of questions about us. And so mm. we told them exactly who we were, where the church was. They knew everything about us, you know. So he said, yeah, you'll see me in church one day. Wow. I wonder if Raymond has seen any of them in church because I know he's still there, right? Yeah. He's still we in never, area. We never looked at their faces, which was a way of also protecting ourselves, you know, oh. because we could honestly tell them when they asked us that we said, we didn't look at your faces. We don't know what you look like, which is a way of preserving our own lives, right? So you really didn't look at their faces? No, we could have seen them in church and not know it. <laughs> oh, that'd be really cool. <laughs> That's an interesting strategy. I'll have to remember that next time I'm carjacked. <laughs> I never thought of that. And then I love the ending. I love how that story ends. And it almost seems unreal how it ends. But the, the situation with the keys where the guys just threw them out in the bush, right? And then you were looking for an hour? Was it an hour you were looking? Right. I mean, I think it was, it was actually really short. It was probably like... 10 or 20 minutes okay. because we prayed. We said, Lord, would you please help us find the keys? And the moment we prayed, Raymond said, I got them, you know, and his hands just touched the keys and he had them. That's so cool. I love that. Just like God just smiling on you like, oh, just just ask me. And then there you go. I, I knew exactly where they were. And now you're you're no longer in uh, South Africa. Is that correct? You're, right. so, you're somewhere right. else. You know, without being too specific, can you tell us what you're what you're up to? Yeah, so so my main focus in in the country that I kind of currently work in is to uh, train and equip leaders here. You know, we we recognize more and more that when we do the kind of work that we do, you know, it's it's really important to realize that the local people that we work with all over the world, they are our champions. You know, they are the people that's going to changed their nations for Jesus. Mm -hmm. right. And so we recognize more and more that the most important thing that we can do is to invest into the leaders' lives that are here. So that's basically all I'm doing. I'm just training leaders and equipping them and coaching them and mentoring them and championing them. You know, like I sat with one of the leaders that I worked with yesterday over a cup of coffee and, and just tell them what a good job they're doing. You know, that, that goes a long way. If we just, if we're just encouraging um, to them as they lead people to Jesus, um, that, is, that goes such a long way, you know. So I, I, I want to lead people to Jesus directly myself wherever I go, and I do. But I realize that when we work all over the world in places that are less reached, um, you know, it's such, it goes such a long way when we invest in the local church leaders. Yeah, equipping pastors is is one of the things that <clears throat> missionaries are are called to do, you know. And you know, you look at, you know, we'll say Paul, the the kind of the missionaries missionary, you know, he <clears throat> he'd go and establish churches and and equip the the local pastors or elders to to carry on. And so, what is that line with the, about I, you know Paul said I planted Apollo's oh, yeah. watered or whatever, God but the, made but, brought the increase but yeah. god brought the increase exactly so um you know before before we go uh before we say goodbye is 
you know, I always like to ask missionaries um, and other pastors and, and leaders, you know, what are the, what are the things that we can do to pray for you and and support you? Yeah, I think I think one of the things Tash and I realized, my wife and I just uh, arrived back, um, and we realized that the spiritual atmosphere is actually very very different from South Africa. I realized that when I went to South Africa end of last year. I realized, wow, it's easier to pray, you know, it's easier mm. to connect with the Lord. And then I realized that a week ago when I arrived back here and I struggled to have a quiet time and I struggled to really connect with the Lord that, and, and we've had some setbacks. I mean, Tasha put her back out and, mm. and we've just had some, you know, just struggles, you know, just uh, mm. things that are difficult, things that are hard. Um, and I realized again, you know, Ephesians six, our struggles not against flesh and blood. You know, we mm-hmm. we are in a, in a war zone. You know, so one of the greatest needs for us right now is just that prayer cover. You know, that God, the God of Psalm ninety one, would protect us. That we would be protected and guarded and shielded against the attacks of the enemy, so that we're actually free to do the things that we're called to do here. You know, I feel like. In many ways, it's like the enemy just wants to derail us and get us distracted mm-hmm. from the things that we're called to do. You know, so that's the biggest prayer need. Need I'd say mm-hmm. that's so good. I remember that same feeling when I went into the village in Zambia, and even the difference between being in town and out in the village, which was kind of strange. But I felt like in town I could connect with the Lord. When I'm talking to him, I felt he was near. I went out to the village, and it felt like bouncing off the hot ceiling, and I, I just it was so weird. So. I kind of can relate to that a little bit and um, living there full time. We will definitely pray for you. Thank you. And uh, if any of our listeners, you know, want to ask a question or anything like that, you know, I, I would suggest maybe you contact uh, Brinkman Adventures and we'll find a way uh, to get it to Javi and uh, get your response that way. Since, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing is that not, you know, all, not all missionaries can work completely openly in in the countries that they're at and they need to be cautious which is uh, another i think uh, good way to pray as well is is for you know that protection and uh, but but we try to be reasonable with that we try to be sensitive to that is i guess the word i was looking for sensitive to that that it it's not always the case where we can say oh you know you're at Three two four one, you know, Smith <laughs> right. Lane or something. Right. You know, we 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 can't do that. So, but um, as we wrap it up, I just want to thank you uh, so much for your story and for being available and for also letting us use your story for the Brinkman Adventures, uh, even early days. Yeah, that's right. You trusted <laughs> us, even though you didn't know who we were. <laughs> you're probably what like, Brinkman? send us a couple episodes, and you're like, oh, you're episode four. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there isn't any other. <laughs> we don't have a great track record here yet. So oh, that's awesome. Is there anything else you want to say, Javi? Well, I'd just like to say thank you for the privilege. It's such a, uh, a wonderful opportunity to share with you guys. And thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And, and that about wraps it up for this episode of the Brinkman podcast. And uh, as always, we like to encourage our listeners to go to wherever you're getting your podcast from. And if there's any chance to give feedback or rate or anything like that, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that help us to uh, 
do what we do better. Um, like we said, this is episode 14. So we're, we're still, <laughs> we're, still we're, we're still learning a lot of things yeah. and we're still ironing out kinks. And, and it also and helps like other that. people too know, wow, okay, I want to listen to this. You know? Yeah. And and maybe if you've had people that are like, ah, I'm not really that interested to, you know, an audio drama, you can give them the podcast, uh, which is a much shorter, well, actually it isn't, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's, it's a much less intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's about the same amount of time, but it's yeah. less intense. Yeah. It's a less intense experience, but they may hear it and go, oh, hey, you know what? I'm kind of curious as mm-hmm. to what that sounds like. So, yeah. and uh, as always too, uh, we invite you to come to uh, BrinkmanAdventures.com where you can learn more about the episodes and some of the characters behind them and uh, there's ways to uh, give feedback or ask questions so uh, as that does it uh, this is eric shoulder and sarah boltman and we will see you next time all right bye-bye